everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the MTV Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lewis, <laughs> and I'm a terrible intro guy. <laughs> and this is my co-host, Jonathan Lee. Say yes. hello, sir. Here I am. How Hi. you doing, man? It's early. It is early, but this is how we're doing them these days. It's the, it's the best way for us to fit it in and it get is. things out on time. To get the podcast to the listeners. Indeed it is. Yeah. We're going to talk mountain bikes today like we always do. Yay. You're back from your Colorado trip. Yeah, I'm. I don't. I mean, I'm a little jet lagged, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm back. That happens when one drives. Yes, yeah, yeah, 905 miles in 14 hours That's on Sunday alone. That's yeah. a lot. Um, and then also, yeah, and I'm getting ready for the Carson City off road right now. That's happening. So, so am I, but I'm just gonna be hanging out. That's true, actually. Yeah. I gotta do a lot of kissing hands and shaking babies or <laughs> that's, whatever it is. That's what they do, those politicians. Yeah. Yep. yep, exactly right. Uh, but with that, Stephen, uh, we've got a lot of different things that we should cover before we get into things. First of all, you can find this podcast at mtbpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe, listen to the latest episode. And I opened my mouth a little early on stickers and top caps because it's in the process, but it took a little longer. So our sticker supplier, we should have the stickers hopefully by tomorrow. We'll see. Um, probably just with how things go, I bet they'll be here next week. And I say tomorrow. So next time you listen to the podcast, hopefully we have stickers in stock and you'll be able to order them on the site. That'll be awesome. Uh, the next bit is top caps. Uh, we're working with a company and uh, working on the design and we should have that going up soon. So going to be nice. It's all coming. Yep. It's just not here quite yet. So yeah. uh, also somebody asked us about kit as well. And well, actually, I shouldn't say somebody. We had like we had a, a handful of people instantly send in messages saying that they were willing and interested in buying kit. If more people want to get, if you'd be interested in MTB podcast gear, it wouldn't be like fully branded MTB podcast. It would look good and have subtle MTB podcast branding. Yeah. If you're into that, let us know so then we can show some social proof to whoever we have the manufacture. Ideally, Quare, we'll see, but who knows who yep. it'll be. Um, but yeah, let us know. Write in. Just go to mtbpodcast.com and you can write in right there. It's I want that easy. kit too, by the way. You do? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can find us on the internets, right, Stephen? We're at? Uh, let's see. Uh, at MTB Podcast on Instagram, the MTB Podcast at Twitter, MTB Podcast at Facebook, and... And like I always say, other places, I don't even know. Soon to be on the YouTubes as oh, well. Yeah, YouTubes. Soon to be, yes. I like the YouTubes. Yes, you'll be able to find it there. Uh, so uh, also, uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Please do so. Five-star reviews, unless you feel like we don't deserve a five-star review, then just please let us know what we can do to change. And uh, we'll try to address that and see if we can improve it. Yes. Uh, we've got some feedback this week, and we're, we're, we're applying it. It's going to be better. So, uh, Stephen, with that... Time to hit the news. News time. News team, assemble! All right, so first bit of news, uh, some racing news. Leo Gang, the World Cup happened over there in Austria, which, by the way, if I was ever at that race, there is zero chance that I could actually do a full, complete race run because I would stop and take pictures the whole time. Goodness me, it is like the most gorgeous bit of earth I think it, I've ever seen. It really is. Uh, so it was really buff, and everybody was complaining about it. They were asking where all the rocks went. They were upset that it was really easy. Yet at the same time, a race happened, and fast people were faster than not fast people, yep. and people still made mistakes and crashed. So they did. You know, like I get like the – I get – people wanting gnarly courses, I get it. But at the same time, a lot of the people wanting the gnarlier courses, they aren't even contending at the top anyway, and they've finished more or less where they normally finish. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I get it, man, but just thinking from a psychological standpoint, you probably do better if you were really stoked about this event. And you can change your stoke level, you know? Exactly, yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, Aaron Gwynn took the win. He had a chain this time, unlike last time. True. So that was good. And it was pretty slim, though. Everyone was really tight. Uh, if you look all the way back to, geez, uh, eighth place, everyone's within six seconds. And I know that doesn't sound like a really tight spread, but... But on a three-minute race run. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Gwynn practically finished in three minutes and seven seconds. And the next person behind him was Loris Vergier, and he was at 308, 393. That's pretty close. Yeah. And then after that, 309, 642 was Greg Menard. Uh, Brosnan did well in fourth. Uh, Bernard Kerr was in fifth. He did well. Laurie Greenland uh, was out, was just wild and, and had a gnarly run. But Yeah, just seeing Mondraker up there, like that's 
Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. He's not a yes. top five kind of guy usually, which is good to see. Mondraker is is on the is is still on the march against stem length. So they're still combating that. Uh, and then Luca Shaw got seventh. Kudos to the American there. Uh, hits home for us, Luca Shaw. McKenna ended up getting eighth, which that dude's going to do really good at Worlds. Uh, he said that the downhill course this year is the first downhill race he ever did. Or at least it has portions of the first downhill race he ever did in his life. So yeah. this is like, we're talking hometown business. Yeah. Jack Moyer got ninth. Uh, and I believe maybe it was Jack Moyer who actually had a crash. I can't remember. Um, I think he did. But uh, anyways, Connor Fearon ended up getting 10th, Mr. Corner Speed. In the women's race, some things happened. Some things definitely happened. Did you see the video? Yeah. I Well, I didn't see this. So I saw her crash. Yeah. But then you shared some extra insight. So um, yeah, uh, uh, goodness, uh, Rachel Atherton, she did not race because she dislocated her shoulder. Yeah, and there was a- Or separated, really, I think, is- They're technically saying it was a separation. I'm not sure, but- Yeah, but so she crashes and gets out and has somebody on the side of the trail, like, shove it back in. Oh, yeah. We all know she's a BA, but wow, that- That's pretty gnarly. That's gnarly. Yeah. yeah. I guess do it while the adrenaline's running. Honestly, yeah, there's a lot to that. Yeah. I mean, like trying to, to take care of things quickly. And also, it's just like a lot less damage. I guess that if you have a separation or dislocation, I am no doctor. And I know it's clear that I, you know, it's, I should clarify that because- But no, you did yeah. stay at a Holiday and Express last <laughs> Yes, month, yes, so. truth. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it ends up, uh, when you do have your shoulder out of position, it does stretch things very quickly. And I guess it just takes a long time and a lot of therapy to get them back to where you need them to be. Okay. I mean, that-, that Theory, that just logically makes sense, but I've also heard this from doctors themselves. So, mm. uh, anyways, Tawny Seagrave got the win. Nice job. And she got it by about six tenths over Tracy Hanna. Super close. Super close race. Miriam Nicole, third. Venon Carpenter, fourth. Emily Siegenthaler got fifth. And uh, Alia Marce Marcellini, Marcellini, I think it is, yeah, because it's Italian. Uh, she ended up getting sixth, forgive me there. And Morgan Schar got seventh. Marine Cabaru got eighth. And Eleanor Farina, ninth. And Monica Rasnick got tenth. The reason I ran through all of those, like the top ten, is in the men's race, all familiar names. Women's race, not familiar names to me. Yeah. So it's interesting to see things kind of get flipped around there. Yeah. Cool stuff. Things like seems like things are shaking up down there. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, shake weights all around. Anyways, uh, Missoula Pro XCT. Uh, it's a mountain bike race that's called a cross country mountain bike race. Men wear lycra, women wear lycra, and they pedal around uphill and downhill. That's cross country racing. Ah. Yes. Good indeed. to know. Uh, this is an awesome race. It's got a sweet drop. Uh, a big. It's like an actual man made gap drop. That's that's pretty decent sized. Uh, for the XC guys, uh, when you're on a hardtail and, and high post in it. And a uh, friend of the podcast, Keegan Swenson, got first. Other friend of the podcast, Russell, Finst Russell Finsterwald, got second. So good job there, guys. Uh, Richard Cypress Gorey got third. And Nick Beechin got fourth. Good job, Nick Beechin. That, that dude's really, really fast. If anybody's raced him, he's quite fast. Um, I don't race cross country, so I don't. I know. think I've lined up with Nick a few times, and that is the last that I saw of him. So was he at was, the drop. He was very much gone once <laughs> things went off. So uh, pretty crazy there, uh, Luke. Uh, wow, that's a tough one. Rowan Velder, I think is how you say it. Sounds uh, perfect to me. Yeah, he's from I the like it. Bear Dev team. So shouts to the Bear Dev team. Good Devo team there. Yeah. And Payson McElvin, also a friend of the podcast, got sixth. By the way, I, I pre-rode the Carson City off-road course with Payson the other day. And that dude, just on a casual day, decided to do three laps. So he was just casual day doing, you know, way over 50 miles with all the connecting riding he was doing between yeah. the laps. Yeah. So why not? That's how he rolls. Uh, he should be doing well on this course. Uh, and then Steven Ettinger got seventh, Jerry Defer eighth, Alex Wild ninth, Cole Payton got 10th, uh, solid stuff. But here's something that I thought was really cool on the women's side. So Rose Grant got the win after having, you know, competing against a bunch of injuries she's had this year, pretty gnarly stuff. Yeah. But friend of the podcast, Sofia Gomez Vigiafania, she got second. Yeah. It's awesome. That's good. That's, uh, I think, Sophia, this, I, I, you, you know, correct us if we're wrong, but I think this is your best pro XCT finish. And if so, awesome, awesome job. And that she's going to so be racing cool. the Epic, right? She will be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alexis Garda got third, Hannah Finchap fourth, and Nicole Tittenser got fifth. So way, way to go. Solid stuff. 
Uh, short track looked much the same. Keegan got first, Russell Finsterwald got second, and Luke Rowenweider got uh, third from Bear Dev. Once again, I apologize. That, I apologize. That's not how I say your name. He's 22 years old. That kid's young. Solid, he's, man. He's going to be fast if oh, he's yeah. already doing this in Pro XCT. Yep. And those are terrible races. I mean, <laughs> terrible in the sense that they're usually always hard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Awesome races if you're into that sort of yeah. thing. Uh, then Rose Grant got first in short, short track. Sophia got second. Nice job again. And Alexis Garner got third again. So yeah. uh, solid stuff. And then another event that actually happened last night. This is like crazy almost live. This is Yeah, and this is a really fun event to yeah. go to. Yeah, it's uh, the Bend Blitz. Uh, they call it Blitz Bikes Beer. And it's an event that goes on up in Bend, Oregon on a golf course. A well, golf club. part of it's on the golf yeah, course. Yeah, a golf club opens up a portion of it, and they're just like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, go do some cyclocross type stuff, whatever yeah. that is, on your mountain bikes. And yeah. then this race is different. So basically they have preems. And if anybody doesn't know what a preem is, a preem is a mid-race prize. And these prizes are given out to you for doing something awesome in this yeah. case. So they have like a drop and whoever gets most sendy is chosen by the crowd. Uh, is like a crowd favorite or who went biggest. And then that person ends up getting, I, so it used to be like thousands of dollars for the preems. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's quite that much, but it may, I think I heard it's something like $600 a preem. Yeah. But there's that. You also get that for the whole shot as well. Yep. Uh, and then you get it for a number of different things. But once you finish the race, you end up running up, you end up finishing up at a table. And then the first person, actually the, the real winner of the race has to finish a beer. Yeah. And it's a time. big beer. It's like a 22 ounce. It, it's not a little beer. By yeah. Means. And, uh, Todd Wells actually was doing, or was racing and Adam Craig and Todd Wells came in close to the same time. And Adam Craig just, just chugged that thing down and ended up beating Todd Wells, even though Todd beat him in the actual race part. Yeah. So it's a tricky event. They also have arm wrestling afterwards. Yes, they do. So Jeff Kabush won in the men's and Katarina Nash, she won in the, in the women's uh, division. And then I also saw that Jeff was the, uh, he was the arm wrestling champ. Oh, he was. So kudos, Jeff. I see that. Good to know. Yeah. Way to go, man. Uh, on the product side of things, Steven, Let's cover the the GX Eagles. Uh, so we talked. Uh, so SRAM has had the Eagle out for quite a while, but it's been cost prohibitive. Is that fair to say? I would say it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, so now they released it with their GX line. So in a lower, lower. I should say. More entry I, level. Yeah. So heavier. Yeah. Um, the shifting isn't going to be perhaps quite as like metallic or snappy feeling, maybe. But to be honest, that's what I've always read in reviews from people. But I have shifted GX and I've shifted XX1. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking a difference that I don't think most people will even be able to perceive yeah. in terms of shifting action. In a, in a stand, they might feel different. But when you're out actually riding and you're putting it under force, I don't think you're going to notice a whole ton of difference. Functionally, in terms of like the benefits it delivers on the trail, it's going to be the same. Exactly. So uh, it's pretty sweet stuff to see. Overall, the whole group set over XX1 Eagle is 250 gra 252 grams heavier. Pro tip on this, if you don't mind increasing just short of 90 grams because you don't want to spend a huge amount of money on a cassette because that's cassettes wear out and they're so expensive, this cassette is about 90 grams heavier than but the it, X01 cassette. But it retails for 195 bucks. That's pretty sweet yeah. compared to, I think, the two or maybe almost 300 for the other cassette. Oh, I'm it's more sure. than 300, but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much better. And the best part, the whole group set, it only costs 495 bucks. And I know everyone's going, oh, that's still a lot of money. If you drop the crank set out of that, I think that it ends up dropping down because I think the crank set is like 150 bucks, somewhere around there. Yeah. So you drop the crank set out of there because most of us have cranks that can work with that. We just have to, you just have to have your, your narrow wide. Make sure your narrow wide's 12 speed okay. Yep. Uh, if you have that, then you can save some, some good coin there on that. So, cause the cranks, yeah, are 120 bucks. Yeah. So if you look at it, cranks, 120 bucks, rear derailleur, 110 bucks, shifter, 40 bucks, cassette, 195 chain 30. So in that case, you could lob off 120 bucks and you'd be looking at about a $375 group set if you didn't go with the cranks. Yeah. Uh, and because chances are you have cranks. If you don't have cranks, you probably aren't doing much riding. You're doing a lot of scooting. Flintstoning, yes, yeah. yes, stridering. So, uh, yeah, pretty sweet. Uh, good to see. And I actually am planning on putting this on my wife's bike. 
So oh, you are. Yeah, because I have like a mixed X1, X01 setup right now for her. Okay. And I haven't installed it on her bike because we haven't. I haven't put together the coin to get the rest of her bike yet with the wheels and everything else. What are you doing? So I'm sorry. Sarah yeah. needs a bike, man. It's true. She does. God, I, I feel really bad about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I'm going to end up actually just selling off some of the parts that I got that were the 11 speed uh, setup, and I'm going to put her over to this. And the reason is, I want her to be able to have. She's she's new to my mountain biking, yeah. and I think the Eagle is number one. It's a one by system, and one by systems for people that are new to mountain biking are awesome. It's so easy to tell them like this uh, yeah. button makes it harder, this button makes it easier. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's really great. And then also giving her the wider range is just going to be really nice. So. Kudos, SRAM. Thank you for releasing this. I think this is great. Um, bringing the eagles to the peoples. That's good stuff. Good. They should hire me for their, for their bringing headline the guy, to huh? The peoples. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Olin's, uh, it's a mountain bike company, or no, sorry, it's a suspension company that's had a lot of history in motorsports. Yep. And they do a darn good job. And they're getting into the mountain bike world, especially with Specialized. Yeah. Uh, they released a coil fork and an air fork. Yeah, both in 29 and 27.5. And uh, both of them, or all of them, all variants have a 30 or have 36 millimeter stanchions. Yep. So they're a bit on the gnarly side. Uh, this fork is interesting. They have a third air chamber, Stephen. Can you please explain what in the world that does or what it means? Really, essentially, I don't know the details on it, and I haven't seen any of the, the drawings or the, the breakdowns of what it actually is, but essentially they're claiming that this chamber... Um, allows you to or allows the fork to uh, for you to modify how progressive the spring rate is on the air fork mm. so which is pretty cool let's you know let's see how that works essentially you know fox and and uh, rock shock do that through they basically control that through air volume spacers in the positive chamber mm -hmm. but we'll see what this olens does if it actually creates more control or if it's just more things and more seals to go bad mm. but olens always does things right so i'm actually yeah yeah i'm actually not worried about it at all i think and and this is so why this is cool number one it looks really good. And we all know that that's the most important part of your bicycle and your suspension is how it looks. Of course. Uh, but also, on a more serious note, this is really good to see companies that are, are well, they know what they're doing to be building stuff like this and coming into this market. It's just good to see competition. Yeah. So awesome job, Olin's. Um, I would like to try out one of those forks. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Send it, send it in the mail. Just send a couple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the X Fusion Manic dropper post came out. Uh, it's a cheap dropper post. It's only 200 bucks. Yeah. Uh, it weighs 667 grams. It's hefty. So you can use it as a bare deflection device. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wonder what the extension speed is of the dropper post. I don't know. Because if so, that could make it even more productive in that, in that role. True. So if it's quick. I know I, the shouts to the art cyclery guys, they had a video, I think it was on Instagram, where they were doing the important testing on dropper posts, you know, the real important stuff. Yeah. They placed an apple on the saddle, and then they extended the dropper post, and they were measuring the height of the apple. <laughs> How, hard it How blew far up. that, yeah. The specialized command post was a big winner there. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. That apple went way up there. So hmm. um, very scientific testing. I liked it. Good job, guys. Uh, also, just worth mentioning... What's up with the saddle and the pink bike post on this? Uh, it, I don't know. If any of you are wondering, I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. You can look it up on on pink bike. It, I don't know if it's like gator skin or if it's electrical tape that's just like really old. It looks like electrical tape, but it yeah, does. I don't know. Maybe it's it is like strange. a gator skin, you know, yeah. setup. I don't know. Gator skin saddles. It's all the rage. Yep. Um, but anyways, it's cheap. And uh, but and here's the thing. Uh, pink bike said they had zero issues with it while they were testing. Nobody has issues. That's how it always seems to work with dropper posts. And then after that, in like a long-term test, things happen, you know? It, unless it's like a Fox transfer. Mm, I'm going to... Uh, so here's my my gripe with the Fox transfer. It develops a lot of play in the saddle where the, the saddle can twist. Well, a ton of it. it. No, not a ton of it, but okay. Yeah, like way more than my reverb. And yeah, I'm not, not keen on that. Okay. 
but it, it feels really good. It, yeah. it functions very well, and it also doesn't have a hydraulic line, which yeah. is sweet. Yeah. So um, something that is interesting on this dropper post is that they actually do have like a linkage uh, set up at the base of the dropper post. And it looks kind of like a, like Steven said, it kind of looks like a, it looks weird sitting on a bike component because it looks a little like, um, I guess like a tiny little spring and it just looks a little out of place perhaps. But what they're doing there is they're actually reducing the force that you have to pull at the lever or push at the lever to get the dropper post to go down. No, or, that's or a return activate. spring. Return spring. It's for snappiness. So, oh yeah, that's right. They did mention that. The yeah. spring is for the snap, but that linkage is going to make it so that it is actually, you know, easier, easier to, to push. Pull. Yeah. Which I actually, I know this sounds silly, but when you're at the, I mean, fears, tears, and beers that enduro just happened out in Ely, mm -hmm. um, shouts to Bryce Lewis, uh, trainer road employee here, yeah. bear dev team member and friend of the podcast. And he ended up winning that one. Awesome dude. Nice. Or awesome job, dude. Yeah. That was a nine hour day. And for those of you who don't know the the fears, tears, and beers is actually the first enduro race in North America. It is. And it goes on in a tiny town called Ely, Nevada, close to the Utah border. And they actually ride through a casino at one point. Yeah, in the race. And one of the one of the trails is on Whorehouse Hill. Yes, you know that's. True. I'm not being vulgar. I'm yeah. just saying that's the official name of the hill. <laughs> He's just claiming the name. Yeah, there. yeah, um, yeah. So, anyways, but that's a nine hour day. It is. And after nine hours of being on the bike, I know it sounds silly, but even like so, even a stiff dropper post lever will just really bum you out. Yeah. Yeah. What they do almost 7,000 feet of climbing. Uh, yeah. I think it was somewhere in between six to seven. Yeah. Um, pretty it, it, long day, very long day. So, so good job y'all on that one and good job X fusion for hitting that price point with the dropper post last bit, Steven, it's, uh, the Fox DPX two, the skinny shock. Yes. It looks strangely skinny. Cause I'm used to seeing the flow. So Fox has the DPS. That's like the, what you see is like the, the, the tiny shock that you would see on, on like a lot of bikes. It's, it's not a big fat shock, right? Okay. Air sleeve is pretty narrow. Yeah. Then they have the X2. The X2 is the fatness or actually they have that float X. Yeah. Float X is skinny, but it has the external reservoir yeah. for the oilness mm -hmm. and things. And then you can tell I'm very precise with the suspension stuff. Yeah. And then you have the float X, which has a float big old, X2, float X2, which has a big old fat can on yeah. there. So they took all three of these things, kind of ish, kind of ish, yeah, and they kind of ish put them together ish. Yes, and but I think this works really well. And even in the name, it's the DP from the DPS, and then X two, so DPX two. That's yeah. the name of this shock, and it's actually pretty darn smart. Yeah, it's it's really the next iteration of the Float X mm -hmm. with the external reservoir and the Evol negative chamber, but. Uh, really this, the big jump here is that you're taking this, a lot of the circuitry components and designs of your float X2 and DHX2 mm -hmm. and putting them into a smaller bodied shock. So you actually get more control and more adjustability. Um, but you're in a smaller case, lighter weight mm -hmm. made for easier adjustments, not necessarily all of the adjustments like your X2 stuff. Um, so this is actually a pretty cool design. I like the shock. It's going to be interesting to see how it works out in the field with heavier riders, with, you know, just in general. Right. Because they're claiming it's going to be on everything from trail bikes to full-on enduro bikes. Yeah, which is interesting to see kind of a, a lower or apparently a lower volume shock. It does have like some pretty large flared ends at the top and bottom. I don't know if that's just to allow for mechanical portions or if that's also aiding in air volume at all. I'm not not sure. air volume, but more in, in your oil circuits and things like that. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. And of course, it comes in metric and imperial. These days, you need the metricness for your shocks. Uh, but yeah, really interesting to see. And uh, it's kind of, uh, I'm not sure I like the aesthetics of it yet. I kind of like the look of the big old fat um, X2. Yeah. Um, but it looks, it just seems to fit with bikes with bulky down tubes and everything else. Yeah. But uh, hey, man, if it works, that's all that matters, right? And this looks out of place on the, I think it was, uh, it was, a was slash? it pink bike on the Slash 29er. It definitely does look out of place. Yeah, it but, looks a little skinny. But aesthetics are only so much. I mean, how the shock functions is really what matters. Says you. Yeah. Yeah. Steven, let's get into the questions. Questions. Question. It's a ridiculous question. False. Well, that's debatable. 
First one comes from Jason. He says, hey guys, love the show. Five stars, of course. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you. you can leave those reviews on iTunes. Uh, just wanted to thank you guys for the Carson City Off-Road info and the video. This is my first year of XC racing, and I'm getting ready to do this one for the first time. The info you shared has made me a whole lot less anxious. I've swapped to a semi-armored si armored sidewall tire from the Superlight Maxxis Ardent Race Tire. We don't have many pointy rocks here in, in Oregon and change my fluid intake plan. Uh, I'll be on the lookout for you guys come race day. Thanks again. Good. Good to hear, man. Yeah. And awesome. Like, like I said, Jason, I'll be there kissing hands and shaking babies. <laughs> yes, he will. Uh, I ended up on my YouTube channel. Uh, I ended up uh, putting the whole course out there. Yeah. And people are like starting to eat it up and telling me, one guy told me he's watched it multiple times. It's an hour and 48 minutes. Well, I mean, I mean if you don't have anything to do on a Tuesday night. I, I kind of wanted to tell him, I was like, do you know about Netflix? Like, man, it's got to be some like more or Red Bull TV, you know, anything like, but hey, hey, if he's doing this, it's more interesting. I get it though. You yeah. know, you're doing your course recon. So totally. Uh, for those that saw that video, the course is rolling a whole lot smoother and faster than it was before, partially because a lot of people have ridden on it and in those loose sections. And then also we got, it was like winter for no apparent reason this weekend. So. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. I got blizzard snow. It was great. Yeah. Wonderful. It yeah. was cold, wet, snowed on the course even. Yep. So as a result, it's rolling a little quicker. Um, uh, but anyways, looking forward to seeing you out there, man. If you see us, say hello. Uh, Danny, he says, hey guys, love the podcast and all the bike nerdy nerdiness you get. I've truly learned the most about mountain biking from just listening to your 21 episodes. Then the last five years of me riding and hearing it from fellow riders. And sorry, 21, I, there's more episodes than that now. Yeah, but, so catch up, buddy. Yeah, I have two questions. I currently have a 2014 Giant Trans Advanced SX with the Fox 2014 Float, uh, float XCTD rear shock. So let's cover this really quick. The Trans Advanced SX, I think that was their more like, it was almost like their Evo version of the Trance. That was their gnarlier version. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's it's not just full on, just, you know, trail to XC, but a little more, it's little got a little bit more, more party annoying. in it. Yeah. More party. More party. Yeah. Uh, he says, but I think it's time to service this baby, talking about the shock, because I lose air pressure and have to repump every two to three rides. I don't know if he's talking about losing all the pressure. Indeed, it is time to service If you're losing it. any pressure in two to three rides, yeah, you really exactly. should. Can you imagine if you lost all? Yeah. That would be a faulty device, I yeah. would say. Uh, he says, but would it be upgrading, uh, would it be worth it to upgrade to the 2018 Fox Flow X-Shock, or in this case, the one they just released, uh, which is a DPX2? Uh, would it be a worthwhile investment instead of servicing? I usually ride all mountain enduro and bike park style stuff on occasion. Um. For that question, I would say that get an RA and send it to Fox mm -hmm. and they will actually upgrade you um, in the rebuild. They can upgrade to newer damper setups so you can actually do the new open medium firm setup in your shock body. Um, and it's going to be cheaper than, you know, just buying a new shock. So yeah. um, I would I would definitely call Fox directly and see what they have to say about that. Yeah. yeah, they'll be able to give you a, a good a good uh, exact fit for your bike. But the reason I shared this was that for, for that very reason, Stephen, is a lot of the time when you send your suspension back to, to Fox, specifically I'm speaking about in this situation, they are very good at truly wanting to help you out yep. rather than just like whatever, fulfill the the service, you know, ticket and get it out of there. Exactly. Uh, they, they are pretty darn good at that. Yep. So, um, yep, uh, check that out. That could be good. Uh, number two, on a different topic, I plan to venture around North America in an Airstream next year, and when I'm off the grid and don't have sunny days for the solar panels to charge, I was wondering if there exists a trainer that I can pedal and generate some electricity on those rainy or cloudy days. Thanks, and keep it up. You guys are doing God's work. Well, thanks, man. Not sure about that, but... We're doing bike God's work. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe. Uh, sure, yeah. Sure. When we talk about the trainer okay. to, to power things, it Go can't. Yeah. Uh, we put out, so to give you an idea, if you look up, uh, cyclist toaster on YouTube, you can see a video of one of the best track cyclists, one of the most powerful track cyclists in the world. And it shows him, he needs to hold 700 Watts. And I think it's for a minute, something like that in order to toast a piece of bread. And he didn't. And he's barely doing it. And he is an Olympic athlete and a multi-time national German champion, like insanely. And he could hardly toast a piece of bread. So uh, the thing is, like if most people, when they're riding a bike, if they ride for an hour, and I'm talking average Joes, I'm not talking like, um, I'm talking mountain bikers, but they're not like XC nerds, okay. right? Average Joe mountain biker, if he goes out on a ride, he might for an hour 
average somewhere in between like a hundred and right around 150 watts. Okay. So that is not going to power anything, right? Unfortunately, if you ride on a trainer for that long, it's just not going to be enough energy. Yeah. You're and you're not, you're not really going to recharge batteries at that either. So for your, right. your Airstream setup, it's not going to help. It's a bummer, man. I wish that we could somehow harness all of our energy. Um, but we just don't put out enough energy to really make it worthwhile. Yeah. Chad, he says, Hey guys, I just started listening to the podcast. I'm really enjoying it. So keep up the great work. Thanks, Chad. We will. Yes, sir. He says, I've been riding mountain bikes for a while now. And despite wanting to say I'm more of an enduro downhill oriented rider, I'd say I lean more toward the XC side of things. I'm going to stop right there. I think that that actually applies to way more people than they want to admit. Of course. And the reason is because the majority of the trails that we have at our disposal are XC to trail oriented trails, right? Yeah, not DH enduro but trails. But we go out and buy gnarly, you know, 160 mil enduro bikes. Yep. Bless our hearts. Okay, he says, I'm 5'11 and 145 pounds, so I'm a thin guy, and I always have been. I've got good fitness, which, yeah, 5'11, 145, that's about where I'm at. Uh, I'm 5'10 and a half, so he's got a, you know, he's, he's a little taller, but that's where I'm at in terms of weight, and that is really light. I've got good fitness, but when I train, I start to thin down a lot. I usually end up around 135 pounds. I like being a good climber, but I don't like being a stick. What would be the best way to train my cardio fitness, but also gain leg muscle and maybe even a little upper body? Also, I know I'm supposed to be spinning at 90 plus RPM when I'm riding, but I heard if I push a bigger gear, it can help gain strength and muscle. Does this just mean I should push larger gear at 90 plus RPM or do I drop the cadence as well? So there's a lot of things to cover here. Uh, should we work from front to back? Or, sure. Okay. Yeah. You take the lead on this one, bud. Okay. Sounds Cause good. Cause I'm just going to be funny. Okay, good. So first of all, uh, if you are frustrated with being a stick, I assume that's for aesthetics purposes. I doubt that's because you're a stick and you're not in, and that frustrates you on the bike. You also did mention the fact that you want to gain muscle to have more like, you know, force on the bike, which once again, we should clarify power is what makes you move down the road on a bicycle. Mm -hmm. And it's a combination of force, how hard you press on the pedals and speed, how quickly you are spinning them. Right. So, uh, those two things, it's not just pressing hard on your pedals. Uh, guys can press really hard on their pedals and just barely grind them over, but they're not actually putting out a lot of wattage because they're barely spinning those pedals. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about productive work that puts you forward on the bike. So, uh, what would be the best way to train your cardio fitness, but also gain leg muscle and maybe even a little upper body, upper body stuff. That's not going to help you at all on a bike, but I totally get it. Uh, well, it, it will help you on a mountain bike if you're a stick and you yeah. don't have any core strength or anything else like that. You yes. do need that. Um, but when we're talking about propelling you down the road, Core strength will help you be more stable, which should allow you to put out more power. Yes. But if we're really talking about things here, what's going to help you get faster is really leg lower day. body. Yeah. Leg day every day. Yep. So, uh, in this case, yeah, there is a way to get faster with that. Uh, it's called structured, like proper training. Uh, I think that, so Justin Thomas, he's a cyclist that, that Steven and I know well, a local guy, and we'll try to paint the picture. He's six foot two, maybe six, one, six, two taller guy. And I think he weighs 135 pounds. He's uh, a stick man. He harbors a tapeworm. I'm sure he's named it and he's okay with it staying in there. It seems Yeah, because he just never seems to get to gain weight. Right. Yeah. He is a stick of a person and that dude has insane power. Yes. Output. He, his, his FTP is probably somewhere around three twenty three thirty. 330. I bet uh, he's in the, yeah. He's in the low to mid 300s. Yeah. Uh, and the dude weighs like 135 pounds. So that's fast. Uh, for people that are doing power to weight ratio in their mind, that's around five watts per kilogram. That's like you're knocking on the door of pro. You are at pro level fitness yeah. pretty much right there. I've seen him so, pull a 390 hour power before for an actual hour, oh, not for gosh, eight minutes. Gosh. Hopefully that was a miscalibrated trainer. Let's hope. Right. Um, he says in this case, he, uh, so you will gain strength that will be efficient to working on the bike. If you are following a properly structured plan. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get bulk and you're talking about looking bigger pizza and beer leg day, uh, you're going to be doing plenty of squats. You're going to be working on, you know, a lot of different things, but also don't neglect simple body weight movements. Um, like, you know, pistols and things like that, that you can actually, you know, make sure that your building's functional strength, not just bulk and chicken wings. Yeah. Yes. Chicken wings. Those are important yeah. too. Yeah, sure. Uh, but that's something that you can do there. Really. I think that the, you're probably, this is a case of kind of barking up the wrong tree. If you want to get faster on a bike, follow
follow a structured plan. If you want to get bigger in the gym so that you look better at the beach, then go to the gym uh, and work on that. Yeah, They can have crossover, of course. I think that a lot of cyclists neglect gym work and it could help them out if you do put in some, some work to be able to build up muscle and strength. Um, because once again, speed and force, that's what you're working on. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have force, but you have a lot of speed, you're not going to be fast either on a bike. Exactly. Somebody's riding outside of our window Someone with squeaky SRAM brakes. brakes. <laughs> yeah, SRAM brakes sounds like it. Uh, it now it, he says, I'm supposed to, am I supposed to be spinning at 90 plus RPM? Uh, and if you, if I push a bigger gear, it can help him gain strength. It's actually really rare that you pushing a lower gear, riding a single speed is actually going to give you bulk or increase force. Yeah. It's just going to increase force to the point that you're using it, but it probably won't increase it beyond that. So if you're talking about increasing capacity, it's not going to be very effective to do that. Yeah. Just by, I need to, you know, you know, build up force. I'm just gonna pedal a really slow cadence. If you wanna build up force, get in the gym. That's the best way to do it. In all situations, I still recommend spinning somewhere around 95 RPM if you can. Uh, I can't even do that. that. Yeah. I'm so, like high eighties and that's it. Yeah. 85 to 95 is ideal. Okay. And, uh, if you can stay within there, then, then you're, you're in a good spot. Don't push bigger gears and don't think people that push bigger gears are more powerful. They're no. not, they're they, just wasting they, energy. Yep. Exactly. That's it. And they're hurting their knees. Yeah. 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 Hits close to home for you. Yeah. Austin's question. Hey guys, love the podcast. Five stars for sure. It's nice to have something to listen to with the family that you don't have to worry about what comes out of the presenter's mouths. Awesome. I'm really mostly. glad that's the case. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah. A bleep comes out every once in a while. Yeah. He says, I have a stamina question. I seem to, and he uses air quotes, bonk always at the, at about the three to four mile mark of my rides. I have a full-time job and a family of five. So my riding is usually limited, limited to about once a week, sometimes two or three times. If I can fit a ride in at work, rides are normally three to five miles at a time, but I would like to be able to ride longer. Any tips to beat the bonk? Well, I always feel it's funny because I always feel the first few miles of any ride that we go on, whether it ends up being a 40 mile ride or a 10 mile ride, right at the beginning, I seem to bonk and I just keep riding and through using and then air I feel quotes, great. You're using air quotes there. Yeah. Yep. And so it's not actually a bonk. It's just your body's like, oh, we're working now. So yes. I'm tired and then, okay, let's go. Yeah. Now, the, yeah. And I think that's part of this. So bonking, we should clarify that, right? I liked yeah. how you use the air quotes there. Cause that's not bonking. It's not bonking. Bonking is, bonking is you almost die. We're talking about glycogen depletion yeah. or, and we're not talking complete depletion. We're talking reducing glycogen or available glycogen stores that you have to the point where you're actually, uh, becoming inefficient, yeah. uh, to the point where things like even brain activity decreases. Yeah. It's not great. It's really bad. And if you've been there, uh, you really know. And there's no way you're doing it at three to four miles. It's not popping. Yeah. Yep. Popping is very different. Basically, Austin, if you didn't eat for like weeks, then or not weeks, I should say, if you didn't eat for a week and then you were popping after three to five miles or even after three to five miles of riding, maybe you could bonk then. Yeah. But we're talking, you have plenty of glycogen on, on store because all of us eat plenty of, the, yeah. of food. What you did is popped and that's it. Indeed. And popping is just, you know, feeling this. So there's, there are a couple things. First of all, uh, our muscles are kind of like, uh, they're like intelligent engines that you see where they have multiple cylinders, mm -hmm. but they actually only use the, you know, a few cylinders or one or two, however many displacement on demand. Yes. Displacement on demand. They will use, uh, only a few of those cylinders when needed. Mm -hmm. And then as demands increase, they will use more of them. Yeah. Your muscles do the same thing. A bunch of fibers in your muscle, right? Like a rope, think of it like a rope and it will rely on a few of them as you're just carrying out throughout your day or carrying on throughout your day. But then as demands increase, it will suddenly go, oh, I don't want to stress these fibers too much that I relied on all day. Let's recruit the other ones. Yeah. Muscle fiber recruitment happens. You start to use other muscle fibers. That process involves, uh, usually you stress the initial fibers quite a lot mm -hmm. and that makes, gives you a burn that gives you everything else. We're not talking about lactic acid. That's a myth in terms of it burning you doesn't happen. You're producing lactate from those muscle fibers and from the mitochondria within there, everything else you're producing lactate. Yes. But the thing is your body is able to reprocess all of that. So usually what happens is when you start riding, first of all, you're, you're doing everything from awaking a nervous system to increasing blood circulation, to adjusting body temperature. All of these changes are happening with your body yep. and it will feel uncomfortable and that's normal. And usually, like you said, Steven, the first bit of any ride or workout is always usually the toughest, at least yeah. it is for me. 
And then after that, once your body goes, whoa, 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 I need to, you know, all, all hands on deck, it starts to recruit other muscle fibers. You start to operate more efficiently and you're able to break through. So that said, if your normal rides are three to five miles and you ride one time a week, you're also talking about an issue of capacity. So if in this case you are just training to three to five miles, that's what you'll be capable of. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you may be feeling at this point too, is a certain level of exhaustion. I know it's, you know, you may think, well, how is that happening if I'm only three to four miles in and people are out doing really long rides all the time. It's just about what you're used to. Yeah. And there's, there are some people who walk through the parking lot at Walmart and are, you know, just as winded as you are at three to four miles. So, I mean, you have to remember it's your capacity. It's what you're training for. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'd recommend there, Austin. If you want to address this, uh, try starting out a little easier. Um, or what you can do is try to shock the system right when you start riding uh, with a really hard effort, then just settle in and make it easy. Absolutely. That can try that, see how that works. That rarely works for people effectively, but I've heard of people trying that and, and working. So, uh, last one from Kat, she says, and I don't know if you remember Kat, but she sent in a question asking which bike she should ride quite a while ago. I think I remember pretty awesome. Vaguely. Uh, she says, hi, loving the podcast. And thanks so much for answering your previous question. I put in about upgrading my hardtail to a full suspension. I'm now a proud owner of a specialized rhyme. And she says, yay, after that. Good stuff. Uh, She says, I just got married to my equally bike-mad, lovely husband, Ewan. Congratulations to you and Ewan. That's awesome. And we are heading over from Scotland to America for our honeymoon in September. The plan is to fly to Denver with our mountain bikes, hire a camper van, and then spend two weeks touring Colorado, Utah, and California's best trails before reaching San Francisco and flying back from there. Uh, You're going to go through Nevada, just saying. Yes. And there's some awesome trails here. And that's where we are. Indeed. So let's honeymoon together. Yes. All four of us. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my question. She says, where are the spots and trails not to be missed on our itinerary? And do you have any insider tips for us? Thank you. Let's see. Colorado. Let's start. Let's start there. Colorado, everything. Cause I just did this road trip. Actually, mm. I didn't go to San Francisco. You don't yeah. ride mountain bikes there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, true. but I just did this trip. So there's lots of riding all over Colorado from Denver through the entire, what they call the front range. Yep. Um, you definitely want to go highway 70 because you're going to have a lot more riding spots there. That's going to take you further South, correct? Yes. It's going to go through a little bit more like middle of middle Southern Colorado and Utah Mm -hmm. and then middle of Nevada. Mm -hmm. So from there you'll cut up. Yeah. Yeah. And then you cut up into Nevada, Mm -hmm. but either way. Yeah. Um, in Colorado, there's so much riding and so much to do. I don't know if I want to like pick any trails because I didn't ride a whole ton there. Yeah. So if anybody, how about this? Our listeners from Colorado, yeah. send in the spots that you would recommend somebody hit on a road trip going west from Denver. Yes. From Colorado. So Utah, I can so speak to a bit. Utah, there's a bu- there's also a bunch of places. I think Moab is definitely where you should go. Yeah. Not being from the United States. It's a unique thing. It's very unique. So spend a couple days there. Ride there. Hike in Arches National Park. Um, there's all kinds of stuff you can do there. One thing I would recommend for Moab, um, ride the... So if Slick, Slick Rock really is your thing, you can ride the whole loop. But there's something called the practice loop that's a lot shorter. Yeah. And you, you basically, you get it. By the end of the practice loop, you're like, yep, get it, got it, good. Uh, otherwise, it's like 20 miles. And if it's in September, that could be insanely hot. And if you're out there just on a, on, basically you're on the surface of an oven because it's just all sandstone like that. Yeah. It's nice to get it over with quickly. You get the slick rock experience. Uh, if you're looking for stuff that's uh, not too crazy technical, head over to Mag 7. Uh, there, There's some technical stuff in that area or the Brand Trails is actually, that's an area that's even less technical. They're just north of town up there. Yeah. Uh, those are spots that can be tons of fun. If you're looking for stuff that's a little more technical, you've got Ahab, uh, you've got, or Captain Ahab, you've got Portal. Uh, Porcupine Rim is one that uh, people do pretty regularly. I'm not a huge fan of Porcupine Rim. Don't love it. Uh, but the upper section I've heard, which I've never been been able to do is great okay. up in the LaSalle mountains up by Burrow Pass. So if you can, you can shuttle that and it's called the whole enchilada. And that's a good time too, yeah. I've here, which it, it can, it contains porcupine rim, but that's what I'd recommend there. But honestly, I prefer Northern Utah to Southern Utah. Well, of course. Yeah. I'm Park just saying that's so good. It is. It really is. But I'm just saying my recommendation for Moab is because it's so different, especially coming True. from Scotland. Yeah. 
Different world. Totally different world. Yeah. So Park City is awesome. Yes. Go ride at Park City. So I would recommend going through Southern Colorado uh, over to Moab. You'll go through Fruta in that case in Grand Junction area. Good riding there. Fruta's got really good riding and good coffee shops that are all bike related. And There we go. Yeah. Uh, then you'll get to Moab, go north from Moab. It's a really cool drive. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, Highway 6. It's US 6, goes through this really cool old coal mining town called Price, Utah. Yeah, Price. They, good just, pizza joint there. Great. Yeah, there, we actually, I had pizza there. Really? Uh, yeah. And I forget the name of it, but I had pizza there for yeah. when we were going it's, through. It's like a guy's name. I can't remember what it is. Either way, Giovanni's probably. <laughs> just. <laughs> I think that's a little pretentious. Yeah, probably. We're in Price, Utah. That's Keep true. Keep it real. Um, but no, in beautiful country, really cool mountain passes and that drive from like Springville and uh, yeah. Salt Lake from Price is beautiful. It is. Yeah. Once you get to Salt Lake, once again, check out Park City. Yes. If you're looking for a quick ride in town, there's uh, the Bonneville Shoreline Trail uh, that you can ride. And that one is kind of in the northeast corner of town uh, up by University of Utah. Or you can go down toward Corner Canyon. That's at Draper. That's at the southeast corner. And Corner Canyon has like a lot of like really buff, but fun, fast, flowy trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also go up to the top of, oh gosh, I hope I don't mess it up. I think it's um, the Alpine Loop, I think is what it's actually called, but I think it's American Fort Canyon. I might be wrong there. Okay. But you can head up there and you're up by Mount Timpanogos and the views are stunning and there's just some really it's it's pretty easy trail up there but the views are incredible you okay. look down on midway utah on one side and then the other side is salt lake valley so gotcha. nice. gorgeous place and then once you get out to reno just drop us a line we'll yeah. show you where to ride uh california i guess if you're going over from reno to san francisco i mean you should really stop in auburn, auburn. or nevada city one of the two. Yeah. I would say Auburn because it's closer. It's on the I-80 corridor. Yep. Um, yeah. Good they, riding there in they, the Forest Hill Divide Loop. That's, yeah, not a bad spot at all. Yeah. And then after that, uh, would you recommend Marin? I mean, Marin, no. is, Marin is the birthplace of mountain biking, but unfortunately- just, It's dead. Yeah. There's just like no trails that are legal. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a pain. You can ride railroad grade. Yeah. Um, too fun. If you want to, if you want to offshoot, if you want to offshoot far enough, you can hit like Annadale State Park up in like Santa Rosa area, Yep. Um, which is north, north of San Francisco. It's yep. just going to take you a few hours off, you know, the path. Yeah, just a, yeah, like two or an hour and a half probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you'll end up getting to, if you ride that, then you'll end up getting to go over the Golden Gate north to south into the city. Yeah. So that's actually kind of cool. Hashtag tourist goals. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, if you're bike touring, well, why not? Bike, mountain bike riding yes. while touring. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Because touring on bikes is terrible. Kat, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Congratulations to both of you. Glad you got a new bike and let us know when you get into town. Exactly. That goes for everybody too. If you're ever looking for trails to ride in this area or you're traveling through, just let us know. And shout out random customer. I was at the, I was at Great Basin the other day and there was a customer that apparently called and shop mom cat talked to her, not this cat. <laughs> yeah. And apparently this guy was like, does Steve Lewis actually work here? Like <laughs> if I bring my bike in, can I request that Steve works on my bike? Like I just thought it was awesome because he, you know, yeah. asked for me from the podcast. So I just thought Good that stuff. was actually hilarious. So shout out to whoever you are. Guy. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. Well, Steven, uh, we're going to uh, have the, another episode we're going to have to do this weekend. We're going to talk about tires, hopefully some stuff from Carson City Off-Road. Yes. Uh, but for now, we're just going to end it off with some tips. Sound good? Good. You don't care? They're counting on your tips to live? All right, uh, Steven, I'm going to lead off with Squish Dynamics. They're, uh, so Andy. Andy S- Jones. SRAMDY, as he's known. Yeah. Uh, he worked for SRAM for years, and he now services SRAM, or RockShocks items, uh, at, his, at his shop up in Oregon. I sent my Monarch XX back to him, mm-hmm. and it's been having some issues. Just it feels super stiff, almost like the lockout is partially on all the time. And he ended up taking that thing apart, sending it back, overnighting it to me, just like super fast awesome service yeah calling me once he got it and sending me an email to let me know exactly what he was going to do like just next level stuff andy there's a reason why i don't send anything rock shock to anywhere else or recommend so good like we talked about sending fox stuff to fox earlier yes if you have rock shock stuff 
I recommend sending it to Andy. He's yeah. just like so good. So I can't recommend it enough. Uh, I got the shock back and it feels like new. It had a bit of like a, it was a, at first I had to give it some, some break in time again. Yep. Cause it's practically a brand new shock. Yeah. And then after that, uh, yeah, it feels, feels like new. And he so. turns things around in like a day or two. Yeah. I asked fast. him, I was like, how long is that going to take? He's like, uh, oh, probably about, mm, I think around 50 minutes. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, let's be specific. Good. Yeah. 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 So it was really quick. Anyways, that's mine. What's Good. yours? Um, my tip is actually something that you guys started yeah. with your cyclocross bikes. And I am really excited about doing this now. So um, we are fans of the WTB line of tires in, you know, in both mountain and in uh, the cyclocross bike world, the gravel, whatever. So you guys just did the lost and found uh, my bike did the lost and found, or at least part of it. Yeah. And, uh, Bottom line is two flat tires, two bad trail or the cross boss tires. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go to your guys's pro tip. Yeah. Riddler 45 front tire. Yeah. And a Riddler 37 rear. And I would run bigger if I could in the rear, but I can't clear it. So yeah. I don't know if you can clear a 45. We will back. know this afternoon. <laughs> they are so good. Those tires are awesome for like uh, gravel or even like if you're doing short track or you're riding like XC on like not gnarly stuff. Yeah. Seriously. So yeah. good. I mean, they would be great on like an arc carbon or even ASR. The 45 yes. C tire would be friggin' phenomenal. If you're running like a, a short track course, like at sea otter, for example, yeah. or if you are riding like, geez, even some trails, honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but for an ultimate XC guy, yeah. I would recommend this tire. If you are like riding LA or sorry, like, um, uh, Orange County stuff. Okay. Cause like a lot of that is like concrete and yeah. you might as well, and you're going to be able to get as much braking as you can out of it. If you had bigger knobs, it wouldn't really help a whole lot. Yeah. So, uh, it, they just roll so fast, but you get good side traction. Yep. And once again, we're talking weight weenie stuff here. So nobody that rides a trail bike, get, get all, don't come at me, bro. With, yeah. with this, that it, it isn't gnarly enough for you. Yeah. We're talking weight weenie XC stuff. Exactly. But that tire is freaking awesome. Yeah. So and good for cross bikes. I think it's an amazing setup. So we'll see how this, the 45 front works to create a little bit more compliance. Yep. Because as you know, I say repeatedly, my cyclocross bike is my rigid mountain bike as well. Yeah. So we'll see how that works for, you know, off-road actual like dirt trail. See if that 45C likes to hold up and if it, you know, creates some nice compliance. It'll be interesting. Uh, really cool to see. And also, I guess a disclaimer, if you are riding national championships or any other UCI governed event, which is national no. championships and above, you cannot run this tire yeah. combo. It is too wide. You need to have tires that do not measure any larger than 35 millimeters. 33. Uh, I think it's 35 now. Did they move it up to 35? Oh, no, it is 33. I said it should be 33. Wait. I'll have to double check. I think it's 33. We'll check. It's always been 33. Yeah. I, and it, we know how the UCI is. They don't like to change. That's, that's yeah. actually a great point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about this podcast. Listen to the latest episodes. Share it, please. With yes. With others. Leave reviews. Submit your questions. That's always good stuff, too. We're getting a ton of them coming in. Keep that going. You can do so at mtbpodcast.com. We'll be talking to you about tires, probably some Carson City off-road stuff coming up soon. Yes. We'll see you all next week. Have a nice day. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.